would just i'd literally sit 15 to 20 feet above them and just watch oh when you say sit you mean that you've let them jump out of the plane they're, they're, yeah they're, they're doing the thing and and i was i was literally just hanging out 15 to 20 feet above them just watching them in this position what you saw was phenomenal you like you would see so that, is, that is actually the real life that's a real life yeah, that's a real life up. yeah that's straight up that's that's exactly where that is and you see, and you could come down, you could literally fix these problems by saying, oh, you're doing this, you're doing this. And it was a really easy thing to be able to see because you were automatically detached. You know, we talked, we talked a lot on the last one about this, this idea of detachment, this idea of, you know, advise someone else. So you're, you're not emotionally caught up. And, you know, these guys would come down off this jump and they'd just be all, oh, we, we couldn't do this and we couldn't do that. And he was doing this and she was doing, and it's like, right, let me come up. Let me just watch. Let me watch what you guys are doing. And, you know, they were doing one thing wrong, two things wrong. So what's the, what's the difference in you being, you know, jumping out of the plane just after them so that you're 20 foot higher and you jumping out of the plane at the same time? What's the difference? You're not increasing the stress and stimulus on them. So um, if I'm with them and I'm in, I'm in, view of them and I'm part of this thing I've got a I've, I've got a good ability to calm them down I've got a good ability to communicate with them but what that doesn't do is fix why they can't do that on their own what I want to be able to do is fix why they're going out and they, why are they having this problem synergistically these two people that should be you know they're living together they should be able to operate together they're about the same weight you know they've got the same sort of drag factor on them they should be falling at the, they shouldn't really be encountering the problems that they're encountering and you know what I would generally see it would be is one guy was trying to do the other guy's job. It's effectively micromanaging the dude up there, but the, you know, they, they had these clearly defined roles. One guy was active, one guy was passive. You go out, you do X, Y, and Z, you go out and you do this. And if the guy was passive, didn't do his job, the guy was active, couldn't do anything. You know, it was a moving shooting clay pigeons, you know, it was, it, he had to provide a stationary target. And you generally find that the guy that was supposed to be passive was trying to do too much and he was screwing up for, he was screwing up for, you know, for both parties. And then you find, you know, we'll do another one later down the line where this whole idea of learning and being in the hole, but you find that every skydive that they did that for, that was another one they had to do to undo that. And another one they had to do to relearn that, you know, so they were constantly getting like three in the hole, six in the hole, nine in the hole. But yeah, it was, it was generally the dude was trying to do the other guy's job common it's a common complaint though right i mean across business across across anything where there's a team of people and there are there's someone in a leadership role yeah. and maybe leaders under leaders under leaders yeah. um you know a lot of the time the biggest complaint will be i'm trying to do it but you're doing it for me instead of stepping back and actually giving me the tools and the trust and the rope to be able to just go and do it and learn from my own mistakes. That trust, what you just said there, like the trust is everything. I, I had a group of guys that had um, instructors that kind of work under me and you can't, you know, even, even though you like to teach everyone, you can't teach everyone. And certain personalities fit other personalities. And, you know, I had a couple of people, one dude in particular, and dude was awesome, he's an awesome guy. And I could just say to him, take this dude out, these are his problems, get him squared away. And he would go out and do it. 
I didn't have to say to him, you know, make sure you do this, make sure you do that. That I, Even though I wanted to, I wanted to go into that granular detail, but if for him to perform, he had, you know, he's kind of a maverick. For him to perform, he had to be going out there with that level of, right, this dude now wants me to get this job done. Check. And he would go out and he'd get that job done. He had that freedom to be able to do that. Sometimes I'd have to say, right, these are the levels that you've got to work with him. But we'd have those conversations earlier. We knew, you know, this is this is basically your field of operation. You can't go outside of this. And if you do go outside of it, there needs to be a legitimate reason that you are going outside of that. Most important rule is the one you know you've got to break. But it was that level of trust where guys could go out and operate freely. Something that comes with experience, though, the 10,000 foot view the more you see it the better you get the more you see, yeah the more you see it but you also learn like it's something you learn right yeah fully. just like have you did you did you mess up in a big oh. way because you were micromanaging or because you were too involved getting oh. caught up like i remember one dude when i first checked in at this this particular place i was working at and i kind of went um i kind of went head to head with this guy dude had been there a while and i should have took his advice you know He'd been there a while. He, you know, he kind of knew the ropes and everything like that, knew local conditions and everything. But, you know, some of the stuff, what he was doing and what he was saying was blatantly just, it was just wrong. Some of the stuff he was doing was blatantly just, it was just bad. But some of the stuff was valid. But I, I you know, I was, I was kind of, you know, I was younger. I, I, it was very much, no, we're doing it my way. And I completely kind of, you know, blacked out whatever it is he was doing. So anything that he went out and did there, he just didn't do it well. And one of the reasons he didn't do it well was was more than likely like trying to prove me wrong. Well, I'll do it your way, but it's not going to work and he'd guarantee it wouldn't work. Yeah, That's he, on me. He probably That's... also felt that you didn't trust him to do the completely, thing right. Completely, absolutely. And that was completely my fault going out there doing that and you know the relationships that I built with this dude were just were just bad. Just... Did, it, did you turn it around? Did it, did it change? No, dude ended up leaving. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 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 for a completely different reason, yeah. but but you know, yeah, it it didn't, and um, I think I was a way off doing that. I think I was a way off doing that. Um, where I was at at that point in time is very much like, no, this is how it's going to be done, you know, and I, I wasn't I wasn't humble when I came in. I think this is something that a lot of people struggle with, especially when they get into their first and second leadership role. Yeah. So like you've been in the workforce for a few years and you've been in, you know, individual, you know, roles where you're managed by someone, but you don't have any direct reports underneath you. That first time where maybe you're managing the person who is now doing the job that you were doing, you've been doing it for a couple of years, you know how it's done. And it's really hard to give that person the trust and the rope because all you're going to do is look at what they're doing and go, I would have done it this way. And so I might as well just do it for them. Yeah. Like that's something that people really struggle with. And you've really got to identify is that what do you want to get out of this? So like, what's the win? What's the win that you want to get out is, do you want the result? Do you want the actual result that you are striving to be? Could be completing a project, whatever it is. Or do you want your way to win? And when you want your way to win, nobody wins just one team loses more slowly. That's all that happens. Like everybody loses. But when you subordinate that and when you put that to bed and say, right, this dude's got absolute valid input. Not everything he's saying is right, but there's some things in there that I didn't factor in. And if I don't factor them in, we won't get the result. 
But if I do, we will. So do you want that actual result, the win for the team, or do you want to be proved right? And that's where a big problem comes in. And that's what I was trying to do at the start. I was trying to be proved right. I was trying to be proved right, you know, and everyone lost slowly. Yeah, and there's no development for you either. Zero. You know, you realise you're so you're so focused in on what that person is doing wrong that you're denying yourself any sort of personal growth in the role that you're It's all you in. see. It's all you see. You only see what that dude's doing wrong. And then it vindicates why you said do it this way. And it's this cycle of, he's not just doing it wrong, but I'm right. Someone gave me some really good advice um, about 10 years ago. They said that the key to being a good leader is making yourself redundant. So putting yourself in a position where your team is doing so close to 100% of the work that needs to be done that you can walk away and not even be there and the thing, the wheel will just keep turning and everything, uh, everything will work to the standard that you've set and then your role literally becomes those little coaching conversations, those little course corrections. And I thought at the time I was like, I don't want to make myself redundant. Like I want to be seen, like I want to be seen. I want to do everything. Well, yeah, I want the business to see me as someone who is needed. Like we need Dan because if Dan's not doing this, then, you know, do you know what I mean? Completely, completely. So it's, it's it's that wanting to be seen to be doing all the work so that you're seen to be adding a lot of value because you're doing all this stuff. Whereas if you're developing your people, you're giving them the right tools to be able to succeed. It's a much more powerful thing. Because you're leading them. For you and business. You're leading them. You're not that's micromanaging right. them. Exactly. And that is, you know, that's that's the whole thing that's completely based on the relationships that you've built with those people. The relationships. And one of the things that I would... Um, that would see a lot I'll go to the skydiving and say the the checkout skydive was a level eight skydive and it was very similar to level seven and on level seven they would go out and they do flips and tricks it's the first time they exited the plane completely solo and without anyone holding on to them and the first time they deployed the parachute with no one holding on to them and then the level eight was almost a carbon copy of that but the big difference was the level seven I was in front of them and I was saying, do flips, do tricks, move that way, do this. The level eight, I wasn't. I was in that elevated position and I was watching them execute a predetermined plan. I was, you know, we'd said, you go out and you do X, Y, and Z. And it was based on the fact you go out and you watch them do this. I developed that level eight. It didn't used to be like that. It used to be an instructional thing. And then we'd find out that people were going out on their first solo skydive with no one and they were losing control. And I was like, right, what's happening here? The dude's proved he can do this, but he's not proved he can do it on his own. So with a level eight, we were going out there then, staying completely detached from this person. And you know, one of the hardest things was I'd give them this brief at the start and I'd say, right, if I've got to lay hands on you, literally, if I have to touch you on this skydive, you're doing this skydive again. Like if I have to stop you for whatever reason, you, you've you not shown me what you need to show me, which is you are competent to go do this on your own. And it was, it was really, you know, I've had to touch some people, you know, in the past and, and, and you know, kind of stop them. It's not a good situation. And um, what you find is there's, there's probably three or four opportunities in every level eight skydive where you can interject. 
And if you were micromanaging this person, and to go back to what we said on the last one, if you were reacting, he's just done this, I'm going to go in and stop him. But you have to let the situation evolve. And sometimes that situation would evolve 5, 10, 15 seconds where you're literally saying, right, we've got time. I've got time in the bank. I've got altitude. I've still got altitude for this person to turn this situation around. But as it got lower and lower and lower and it compounded, that window of opportunity is closing. I'm giving you the reins. I'm giving the responsibility. I'm giving the opportunity. But if you don't execute on this, I'm going to have to step in. And there's multiple situations, more than none, where you've you thought, I'm going to step in, I'm going to step in, and they've brought it round. But what I never let it do, what I never, ever let it did, was approach that critical mass, that point where it's like, that point of no return. I've literally given you now 35 seconds to fix this. You've not fixed it. What makes me think you're going to do it in the last 10? And that's a point where we'd have to retrain and redevelop this whole situation. You've had your opportunity, you've blown your opportunity, but the key is you've got to see that situation evolve. Do you think that's applicable for everyday life for someone who maybe feels like they always have to have control over yeah. every single situation? Yeah. yeah. And you know, you, you could take that all the way down to the level with your kids. You've got to trust your kids to be able to do some things. Now, what you're not saying is, right, you know, the kid's never, never been to the park on his own, so I'm going to let him go to the mall on his own. You're not, you're not taking, that's, that's ridiculous. that You've not trained the person well enough to do that. That's just bad leadership. You know, at the start, I would micromanage the ass off my guys. When they first checked in, it's like, you literally cannot breathe without me telling you how. Because I was trying to get them built to this point where I didn't have to do that. And that point where I didn't have to do that came really, really close. It came super close. You know, it was, we're talking about a really short time frame. This is immersive training, at, at, you know, at the highest. But I'm going to control every single thing that you do so you know my expectations, so you know your field of operation, so you can go out there and win. I, you know, I was so heavy on that, but they knew that. And they knew what the end game was. It wasn't like, right, this is how it's going to be and it's going to be like this till you leave because I'm doing you an injustice. I'm not allowing you to develop. I'm not allowing me to develop but I'm going to give you these tools now. I'm going to show you how to use them hands-on, absolutely hands-on, and then I'm going to let you go incrementally. And, you know, the that checkout from, you know, those level eight skydives to guys going on their own was just the absolute epitome of that type of situation. Teach your people, train your people, show them how to do it, and then trust them to go and get it done. And that was, the, you know, that was the relationships. I had to make sure there was a relationship there which wasn't, I don't want to screw this up because, you know, and I used to be like at the start. I used to be really, you know, if someone, um, if someone screwed it up, I'd give them the hairdryer. Rawr! And then it got to that point, it's like, whoa, I'm doing no one, you know, I thought that's how it should be done. I'm doing yeah. no one any service. And I'd have to build relationships with these guys so that they trusted me to say, right, cool, I can go out. You know, I'd say when they checked in is they were there to do 170 jumps. And I say, you guys are here to make 170 different mistakes. Keyword was different mistakes. Because if you leave here having made no mistakes, I've not done my job because you're going to make them. You're going to make them. You're allowed to make these mistakes, but you're not allowed to keep doing the same thing and keep doing the same thing and keep doing the same thing and expecting it to be okay. Like we've got to learn, we've got to evolve from these things. That developed trust, these guys could go out as absolute rock stars. You've got to see that in your job. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I'm just thinking of a good example, though, eh? That's sort of, that's really applicable. I mean, and this is one of the things, is, is just dialing it back to that point where, you know, you've got guys under, underneath you and, you've, you know, you guys are in the senior leadership 
And then you've got the guys just underneath you. You've got mid-level managers. Then you've got the guys in the call center. But like, if, if those guys in the call center are completely and utterly micromanaged by the people above them, that's on you. It's like you're not allowing that person to do what they should do. That's completely on you. And th this is where that, you know, it, it flows down. If they get that trust from you, the people underneath you, they are more likely to give it to the ones under them and the ones under them and the ones under them. But for me, it's the highlighting the level of training needed. Like the level of training. It's all right saying, oh yeah, just go out and, you know, you, you've got freedom, go out and do this. It's like, nah, that's not good. That's not good. You've got to train your people so they know what the limits are. Yeah, from a uh, from a business perspective, I think the whole induction process of actually, if if you're bringing someone into your business, there's a level of trust there already from day one, Check. right? So we've got this process worldwide where we go through interviews and we meet complete strangers and we judge them based Reference on checks, exactly yeah, yeah we judge them based on you know what they've done in the past and you know what their old bosses have said about them but essentially it's a judgment call based on your gut feel on whether this person based on your is experience be, exactly what you said before based on the more times you've done it yeah based on your experience but also based on your gut feel of whether this person is going to be a good fit and i think potentially whether you're going to be able to trust them because you don't want to bring someone into a business who you're then going to have to micromanage uh, for the next two years because who has time for that and who wants to work in a in a in a workplace where you've just got someone whipping you constantly trying yeah. to do your job for you so yeah. I think it sort of starts at the very very beginning I think the training is really key so you know um, in life in general when you're training someone to do anything, giving them a set of tools that is going to enable them to do the thing you want them to be able to do, and then being able to step back and go, okay, I've done my part. I've made it really, really clear what good looks like. I've set the expectations early, and I've given you these tools that are going to enable you to do the thing that I want you to do. Now I'm going to give you some rope, I'm two minutes away if you need me, Check. but I need the you. The rope is still there. Exactly. The rope is still I'm, there. But I need you to get on with it. Yeah. And if you do make a mistake, then we'll make sure it doesn't happen again or we'll learn from it or we'll use it as, as an example for someone else who's going through something similar. Because these same things, these same things, these mistakes, you know, for all, my, all the people that I put through training, there was probably less than 10 mistakes that were made. I think people are scared to make mistakes, yeah, you know, because we've all had huge, and this sort of comes from uh, comes from school. We've all had that teacher who's just made you feel dumb, yep. you know, like yep. you're you're just how could you have done something so stupid? You must be thick, and that's programmed into us, and we never want to feel like that again. And school is preparation for the workplace, so it's no different when we get into the workplace, and. So people get themselves into these positions. They're really scared to make a mistake because they don't want to be made to feel stupid. Paralyzes them. It paralyzes them. So if you can, if you if you can help someone understand that there's no stupid question and mistakes are learning opportunities, you'll you'll change their thinking. You'll you'll unlock something that maybe is buried. Yeah. Um, 
that that whole idea of of a mistake being a learning opportunity you know that, that whole idea of a mistake being a, an, a possibility an opportunity to be better at what you're doing you know flawless execution does not does not exist i'd said this i would say this to my guys on day one is like if you think you're going to go through here without making a mistake and some of you whatever or you find out after a f- the first few days that that's just not the case like you are gonna make these mistakes good it's the opportunity to develop and to be better but you've got to lay that in that's got to come from the top a hundred percent and i think just going back to what i said about something being buried it's the confidence to know that actually i'm in a safe environment where i can afford to make a mistake because it's going to be looked at as something that i'm going to learn from and hey once i've learned from it i'm not going to do the same mistake again and you know what we'd like People would do things and they'd get paid out. You know, we had one guy um, way back who, the, the parachute itself is made up of like two levels, a top and a bottom skin. There's holes in the front. And one dude packed a, a wrench. So there's a, there's a, like a spanner. In his parachute. In his parachute. So there's a spanner that you use for like, it, there's certain things that he had to connect and he's like looking around for this thing. And then the dude goes, jumps and you look on the video and he's looking up at the parachute and there's a silhouette of, a wrench and he's packed you know that dude's getting paid out was it on the inside of the parachute it inside as the, he was coming down it was inside it <laughs> that's awesome so the dude I mean you are paying that dude out for until someone does something dumber that dude's getting paid out that's you're not looking at that as a mistake like oh you you did you know it's just that's just funny and you're never going to let the guy forget it yeah but that guy has the opportunity to do two things he can either run and hide and put his head under the sand and um, be completely humiliated and, and let it eat him for, you know, the rest of his life. Or he can go, I'm the dude who practiced Spanish. Yeah, I'm the guy who practiced Spanish. He can Spanner practice some humility. Practice some humility. It's a, good, it's a good party story. And, you know, just, just get paid out by the boys yep. and just own the fact that you did something stupid huh you know not going to do that again you did something you? that someone's probably never ever going to do it yeah. you know for their entire lifetime and we're telling the story about it now and we're telling the story yeah. now yeah and you know it's it's that ability to to practice that humility to say right i am going to make these mistakes these things are going to happen what i'm going to do is plan and prep so that you don't have to i'm going to think about that but the, the deeper you get into whatever you're doing the higher you get in that leadership chain the bigger your database becomes of these are the possible things that are going to happen. And if I train my guy underneath me to expect them, he can train and train and train and train and train the next 10, 20. And it's like compounding interest. It just goes bigger and bigger and bigger, but it's from the top down. It starts and it ends with the leader. Wrap. <laughs>